We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. Aiklin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, close to the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. All right, Panthers fans, it's another game week. It's Buccaneers week. Right here on The Roar, on Blue Wire, it's John Ellis and Billy Marshall. we got a special guest, John Ledyard, going to join us at Ledyard NFL Draft. You can follow him on Twitter. He covers the uh, Bucks for the Pewter Report, one of the best followers out there for all things NFL. But uh, I want to say hi to Billy Marshall. Hey, Billy, what's going on, man? It's going well. How are you? Going well. Had a little look at the uh, All-22 today. Finally, the NFL decided to unleash that beast and... Uh, We've got some thoughts on that, I'm sure, to talk with uh, with our guest here. But, yeah, I'm doing well. And 
Big game this week. Uh, introduce our guest here, John Ledyard from uh, Pewter Report. You can check him out again at Ledyard NFL Draft. John, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You've had your hands full this offseason. <laughs> it's quite the, <laughs> quite a turn of events in Tampa. New coach in Bruce Arians, new quarterback in Tom Brady. Give us a macro-level view of what that's been like covering this entire bonanza down there. I think it's been a lot of fun. I mean, Bucks fans are kind of – it's not thought of as a huge – fan base or a really passionate fan base but it is a very passionate fan base those who are faithful and so I think for them it's been really cool I mean Tampa Bay's kind of had this long history with quarterbacks it's just kind of really unenviable I mean you think about Steve Young and him finding success somewhere else and Benny Testaverde and even him finding some success somewhere else and Doug Williams going on and finding success somewhere else and you know there's just been kind of this long line of quarterbacks where that's happened with and you couldn't get them to play well in Tampa Bay and it's not like some of these franchises that have never had a good one you know the Bucks have had some good ones and couldn't get them to play I mean even Trent Dilfer you think about he goes on and wins a Super Bowl somewhere else so they just have kind of had this long history of just not really making it work with quarterbacks who ended up being good after they moved on and so for them to get a quarterback of of Tom Brady's caliber who's already been good that's so good and brings that kind of a championship caliber mindset and pedigree and ability to the team is like a totally different territory for the Bucks to be in and so I think fans are really enjoying it and the franchise enjoying it too it might take a little bit of time adjusting to it all culturally and, and obviously with the weird offseason finding their flow consistently I think within a game uh, but the talent level on the team is sky high I mean as good as it's been really probably as, as good as it was the year that they won the Super Bowl um, you know and so I think that that gives everybody something really cool to look forward to. All right, John, what the hell happened last Sunday then? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there were a bunch of different things. I don't think it's any one thing. You know, everybody always wants to, especially the national media, I think the desire is to simplify everything in order to be able to tackle it, right? Like they want to be able to address it, but they don't have time to go through all the details of the game and, and the analytics and what all the different things that could have gone wrong. So they just put it on the biggest name person. And so most of it's gone on Brady. I actually thought Brady was really good last week. Um, I don't wouldn't put much of the blame on him at all. He can't throw the pick six. That was a bad throw. The other interception, uh, Mike Evans fault, uh, an understandable mystery to coverage, and he changed his route because of it, and it ended up being an interception. But really, other than that, I mean, Brady played great. He threw eight passes of 20 yards or more. Uh, that would put him on pace for 128 of those bad boys on the season. Uh, that would have led the league last year. So this is a guy that people are like, oh, he can't throw the ball down the field. He won't throw the ball down the field. He did both of those things, and he threw it extremely well. It's one of the reasons why his pro football focus grade was so high and why I had him graded so highly off the game is because high degree of difficulty stuff, he was outstanding. A couple completions, three defensive pass interference penalties that all the passes were right on the money, right where they needed to be. Uh, a couple miscommunications with receivers. I thought he placed the ball really well, and they uh, messed up their routes based on the coverages. They should have read something else. And only one ball I'd really call bad. So that was super encouraging him, seeing him throw the ball down the field really accurately and really willingly. Um, I think he's going to be a great fit because Tom Brady is an aggressive quarterback, and that's been undersold about him his entire career. 2017, he led the league in 20-yard passes or more. That's the last time he actually had a deep threat. Uh, year after that, 2018, he was eighth, I believe. And, and last year, when everybody said he wouldn't throw the ball down the field at all, when they didn't have any vertical threats on the team, he still was 13th in pass attempts of 20 yards or more throughout the entire league. So he's always done it at above average rate. And when he has weapons that can get open in that portion of the field, he is airing the thing out. And that has been his entire career. And so 
I think that's been undersold about him somehow through 20 years that's been undersold about him. So I think in that way, he's going to be a very good fit for this offense schematically. Now it's about getting on the same page consistently with guys, making sure they're seeing the same things, finding those rhythms and those ways to communicate quickly at the line of scrimmage. Those are all the things that'll take time, especially with no preseason and the abbreviated off season. But I think, we saw flashes of it all the other day for the offense. I mean, we saw flashes in the, their ability to do everything. If those DPIs, you know, if the defenders don't grab those receivers, and, and I think those are completions and Brady's well up over 300 yards, and maybe everybody's singing a little bit of a different tune. So it's funny that they get the same amount of yardage from people's perception of it's different because they look at the box score. And so I think those are some things. But honestly, if you ask me what went wrong, offensively they need to stop running the ball as much as they do on first down. Uh, eight of their 11 first downs in the first half outside of their last drive with 30 seconds left in the half were, uh, were running, were runs, uh, and they need to alter that approach. They need to go pass heavy more on first down, utilize more play action. When they utilize play action, four or five of their biggest plays from the other day came off of play action. Um, so that was a, a good weapon for them. But the Saints were teeing off on first down. So because the Bucks kept running into a crowded boxes and, and linebackers that were firing out, they continue to be in third and long situations. That makes it hard for anybody. I don't care what kind of quarterback you are. And so I think they need to help themselves out by getting in more manageable second and third and downs, and that will help the offense be able to sustain drives a lot easier. Talking with John Ledyard from Pewter Report, covers the Buccaneers and uh, Carolina's next opponent, of course. Uh, here's what I want to know, John. The, the offseason, of course, we, we talked about that at the top of the show. I'm fascinated by the Bruce Arians – Tom Brady relationship. Now, a lot's made of it in week one. And, of course, you can't get down the hot take road here because Bruce talks a good game in a press conference. Bill Belichick does not. And a lot was made of, you know, you know Bruce, in some people's mind, calling him out a little bit. And then he comes back saying, look, you know, Tom's got thick skin. Don't worry about this. <laughs> I love the, the comment Bruce made about, you know, everybody had us crowned in July. I got a kick out of that. But tell us about the relationship schematically between those two guys. We know the personalities are different from the time he spent with Belichick to now, but what schematically are they doing differently in terms of Bruce Arians than he has before maybe with Arizona? Has he adapted at all the offense around Brady's you know, game, or is he running the same stuff he did last year with Jameis and then before with Carson Palmer? Yeah, I mean, there were already a lot of similarities, I think probably more than people realized. And the other crazy thing is Brady's operated in a ton of different offenses. So, you know, last year's offense with the Patriots, they had no vertical threats. And he's, like I said, he still tried to throw the ball down the field. Right, but right. teams really would play too deep on them and they could still stop the run last. Patriots couldn't run the ball either last year. So it was just a hard for them to complete passes down the field based on how teams played them and their talent level. Um, so I think that's one of the biggest things is that if you just look at last season, maybe there's some changes, but if you look at Brady's career, you know, like I said, he, he's been in vertical based offenses. I, I mentioned 2017 with Brandon Cooks when they had that and Chris Hogan, I believe was there too. When they had guys like that on the team, I think Chris Hogan led the league in yards per reception that year. And so when they've had guys like that on the team, obviously Randy Moss going back to then he's, he's aired it out and he's been a vertical passer and it's been big plays. And he's one of the most accurate 20 yard pass, 20 plus yard passers, uh, in, in NFL history over the span of his career, you know, he's been absolutely dynamic in that way. And so I don't think the fit was really as far off as people thought, but a couple things they needed to change. And then it looked like in the first game, there was definitely a willingness to start to do. I think we didn't see how much they do and because the Bucks got down and 
they kind of figured play action was a little bit less effective in those situations when they were down late in the game. So maybe we didn't see as much as we could, but the Bucks hit a lot of big plays the other day off of play action. I mentioned that. And I think, you know, the first drive first, the first de- first down that they threw on was the 29 yard corner route to, to Chris Godwin that Brady dropped in the bucket just perfectly. And so play action has been a thing that Bruce Arians has talked about using in the past and said, it's a good idea, but he actually, the numbers show that he's been one of the the bucks last year, one of the lowest ranked teams in play action usage. Uh, But yes, but the other day there was some encouraging signs when the score was even or close at the beginning that they were going to use play action at least a little bit more. And that's been something Brady's thrived at. So that's a big plus. Uh, The other thing is in the, in the red zone, Brady's had a lot of success with multiple tight ends and being able to, get in 13 personnel with, with three tight ends on the field and then flex those tight ends out um, and, and, and to basically receiver rules and, and split them out wide and then see how teams match up with them. Because if they bring them in 13 personnel near the goal line, teams go heavy. Well, now you flex them out and you motion them out before the snap. You've got linebackers on tight ends and advantage goes to the offense. And so I think that that is kind of one of the things that Brady's done really well that I wouldn't say Arians has been against it. He hasn't had good tight ends the last couple of plays. Everybody says Arians doesn't use tight ends. We didn't have good ones in Indy. He didn't have good ones in Arizona. He used his best players. And now that he has tight ends that are some of his best players, he's using those tight ends. And so you saw a lot of OJ Howard. We saw a good bit of 13 personnel. And I think we'll see Howard and and Gronkowski a lot in the red zone. And so, um, you know, I think those are kind of things that they've kind of said, oh, this is a perfect marriage for both of us now. Like, you know, I think Tom Brady's always done those things well. And then Bruce Arians has kind of said like, oh, yeah, we have the personnel for this now. Let's go get Rob Gronkowski. Now we have the personnel to do some things you like um, out of 12 and 13 personnel. And so those are some of the ways in which they've had some, some marriages. And the other way I'm interested to see what happens is motion before the snap. Um, the Bucks had a lot of motion before the snap yesterday. I don't think they did last year. Um, but they didn't have any much motion at the snap. They were one of the lowest teams, I think somewhere in the 20s mo- with motion at the snap last week. And I think that could be successful to get some early easy completions and replace some of those first down runs with some easy completions, four or five yards on first down. That's a, a greater than the average run play on first down. And so even that putting themselves in second and five, as opposed to second and eight and second and nine, changes things and makes it a lot more likely to sustain offense. So I'd like to see what they do with motion throughout the rest of the year, but I hope that Brady would be pushing Arians in that direction where Arians has been a little bit hesitant to adopt some of those newer age things that are becoming successful in the NFL. He's been a little hesitant to adopt those into his offense. I think Brady's presence will help them do that more and more based on week one. Folks, let me tell you, this football season is already proving to be different than any season we've seen before. Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Whether you tailgate in the backyard with your friends, whether you gathered around with your friends here at home and your family and watching the game, I know that's what we do here in the Ellis House. Pepsi is here as the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. Passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi. Made for football watching. So I want to transition to the defense now, and this is a very fascinating unit to me. Alvin Kamara, 15 carries of 48 yards. And last season, by any metric you want to look at, the Bucks had the best run defense in the NFL. So this week they're facing the highest paid running back in the NFL in McCaffrey in his two worst games last year, coincidentally enough, um, on the ground, came against Tampa. What is it about that side of the ball that makes them so successful? Is it scheme or is it personnel or is it a combination of both? Um, 
I think it's honestly personnel first, I would say. I mean, the scheme definitely helps in some ways, but I, I really don't think – if you don't have dudes, I don't know that you're going to be successful against the run no matter what scheme you're running. You know, I mean, you can run blitz guys all day, I guess, and, and you know, and have some success. But, I mean, the Bucks it just start – they just have dudes. They have nasty people on their front line. That's just, I mean, Jason Pierre-Paul is a mean football player. Vita Vey is a mean football player. And Dominican Sue is a mean football player. William Golston, mean football player. I mean, those guys are, Raheem Nunez-Roches talks more trash than anybody else in the team. They play with an edge. They're super physical. They stack guys. They get off blocks and they're all in great shape too. They play a big workload. I mean, Sue's played 80 plus percent of the snaps the vast majority of his career. Uh, Vita Vea for a big guy plays a ton of snaps. Raheem Nunez-Roches was the most improved player in camp and had kind of one, one of the I think showed up as one of the best, most in shape guys uh, in camp. Will Golson coming off a career year, also in unbelievable shape. So I think it's that they just don't wear down really. And they're extremely physical. Um, There's a good combination of youthfulness um, and, and energy with the group. Now I'll say this though, where they, they kind of are all these bulky hold the trenches beat guys up with the line of scrimmage. They're not really a gap-shooting interior group. They're not a great pass-rush interior group either. So where I was worried about the Bucks coming into the season is can they get after the passer with their inside guys and or they have to rely super heavily on Vita Vea and on Jason Pierre-Paul. And so that will be a question that needs to be answered this season, and we'll see how that part of the things progress. But in the run game, I think it really starts with those guys up front and how nasty they are. And then – being able to do a lot of different things with Levante David and Devin White. You see Devin White on the edge at times. You know, he'll drop back off the ball, move around pre-snap. Shaq Barrett can drop. Jason Pierre-Paul's dropped. And so they move everybody around, and they make it a little bit hard uh, assignment-wise pre-snap uh, for opponents. And so I think that is part of the trick of defending them too. The other thing about defending them is it's very hard to get out wide on them because their, their linebackers are so fast, so fast, I mean, they're probably the fastest two linebackers a combo in the league. And then their corners are just fearless. I mean, if you put on their tape against the Saints, you'll see three, four plays where Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, Bunting, Jamel Dean, all these guys come flying up and take out a lead blocker in the run game. It's really hard to get outside on them because those guys are so physical as corners. They just lay out and sacrifice their bodies. Not a lot of teams do that, and it's a, it becomes a liability of – of defensive back the defensive backfield becomes a liability of a lot of teams run defenses because teams will start to crack their safeties and stuff on the outside and corners don't replace but in tampa bay's defense not been an issue because their corners have been so aggressive and so physical and they have i mean their two starters sean murphy bunting and carlton davis are both dogs against the run i mean and they're both physical nasty football players so i really think the pit starts with the personnel there are some good things they do schematically but the group that they have is just really physical, really nasty, and, and really athletic. Well, and to follow up on that point, John, one thing I told our listeners and, and our followers on Twitter all offseason about Tampa was, you know, this relationship between Tom Brady, Gronkowski, and uh, Bruce Arians is fantastic, and that, that should be an exciting thing, but that'll take time. What will impact this team the most is the second year for Todd Bowles. And I thought when they made that hire – the, the, to me, is if I'm a Panthers fan, I'm looking at him saying, oh, boy, that's not good because you've got him teamed back up with Arians, and now he's in year two of his system, and he's got veterans up front. Can you speak to that a little bit? This is now the second year of the install for his scheme and what impact that's had for this defense. 
Yeah, I mean, he likes to blitz, and so I think that that's a really big positive. I mean, last year, 47 sacks, I want to say, or either led the league or among the league leaders. And so, and they didn't get a lot from their interior guys. Again, I know Shaq Barrett led the league and Jason Pierre-Paul was very productive when he was out there, you know, midway through the year, he was, it was until he was out there. But I mean, Carl Nassib, Anthony Nelson, like these are the other guys they have. I mean, it's not like they had like, you know, the, the Eagles group that went to the Super Bowl or any of those, you know, this, the famed Seattle groups that were out there, you know, where they have three guys that are going to the Pro Bowl and or that are great pass rushers on the D line. It really, wasn't that I mean so there's just a lot of ways that they can beat an offensive line they blitz their linebackers they move guys around there's tons of stunts and twists if you ever watched Todd Bowles and with the Jets I mean he, he twists guys a ton when he was there uh, lots of games up front that offensive lines have to worry about and communicate through and now with linebackers as athletic as White and, and David you saw some crossfire you know a gap blitzes uh, the other day. And so there's a lot of just things schematically that they do uh, that make them really tough to defend um, and make them tough to block. And so I think that is one of the ways like individually, I think Jason Pierre Paul's a good player. I don't think he's like a top 15 pass rusher in the league. You know, Shaq Barrett's a good player. Maybe last year he was a top 50. Is he going to be consistently a top 15 guy? He's, he's a good player for sure. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to say they're not good players, but I don't think they have like any elite, like, Khalil Mack type player, anything like that. I just think that the scheme allows so many people to work free and allows so many people to be dynamic at different times and gives offensive lines so much to prepare for that that is one of the reasons why they're able to have success as a pass rush group, despite not having like one elite player or anything like that. Uh, they're kind of able to scheme it up and, and get guys home and make life really tough for opposing O-lines and quarterbacks. So we at the Blue Wire are sponsored by betonline.ag. And this game currently is listed at Tampa Bay is favored by eight and a half points. Um, so there won't be any fans, but still you're in Tampa. It's always a difficult trip. How do you see this game playing out? Uh, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, on paper, I think the Bucks are a lot better. <laughs> but, uh, you think? But, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, there's still the reality of a team coming together that has shown, you yeah. know, a culture over the years that I, I think doesn't – it's not just about adding one guy. I think it's about going out there and proving it during a game that you can you can be mistake-free. And, and not only the turnovers, I, I think that stuff will come you know, week to week. You're going to have to deal with that differently. I don't think it's going to be like last year with Jameis, obviously, but – um, you know, I think there's that stuff's going to come, but penalties, can you stop, can you stop penalties? Can you stop blown coverages? You know, can you stop, you know, field goal protection? Can you, can you not le- let guys leak through as badly? I mean, that field goal wasn't even close. I mean, it hit the guy in the chest, you know, that that's the kind of stuff like you're leaving points on the board, you know, coaching. Can you, can you, after five straight completions down the field, can you not run on first and second down at the 20 yard line with a run game that hasn't done anything all day and you're late in the third quarter? Like, you know, those are mistakes that, everybody should have learned from at this point. And so those are the things that you'd like to say, they go to the tape and they correct them all next week. But I, you know, I think after a while, some of that is ingrained in the culture. And so there is that need to prove it on the field before they can really get over it. And so I don't think the bucks can beat themselves to put it, to put it bluntly to you. Like, I, I don't think that can continue to happen. If it happens like it did the other day, they won't lose by 11 points. I don't think, you know, like they did to the saints, but I think it'll be a very uncomfortable game. You know, if they do that, if they take care of business and don't, commit those kind of mistakes. If they come out aggressive and throw the ball down the field on a Panthers secondary, that's, that's still getting it together. And that's a young group, you know, that's an unproven group. If they're aggressive and they go after them and they use their best weapons, um, you know, that they, that they have on offense, 
um, and they utilize and, and prioritize getting those guys the ball rather than trying to establish the run in every first and second down, I think they're going to have a great night offensively. And on defense, I think they're one of the few teams that on paper can match up well with Christian McCaffrey because they linebackers are so explosive and so good in coverage. And so, and you saw it with Alvin Kamara, I mean, that's a great test run for it. Kamara had late had that reception, but it was on a deceptive throwback play when everybody thought the Saints were just going to run out the clock. You know, he was wide open down the field for that big game. But other than that, he didn't do anything in the, in the receiving game. And so I think that's one of the big things is the Bucks can match up with that part of the offense. So then it becomes about making Bridgewater uncomfortable and getting him off his platform, you know, and all those kinds of things. So on paper, I think that the Bucks really match up well and they should win the game. They're better on, on the trenches on both sides. They're just a more experienced team, more talented team right now. The Panthers are definitely in, in, a, in a rebuilding mode of sorts. Um, and so there's no question. I think if we're all honest, we'd probably say, oh, the Bucks should win the game. But there, there's also a team that has lost a lot of games over the years that they should have won. And, you know, adding more talent definitely helps uh, change that. But, I, again, I think that it's a big part of his is overcoming those kind of games on the field and proving to yourself, yeah, we're, we're, we're a more dominant football team. This shouldn't be a game. We should dominate teams like this. I don't think the Bucks are used to taking the field and saying that about anybody. So I don't, I think that that is going to take time basically to train into the team's psyche. And that's why I don't rule out any game being interesting for them right now. I think they'll figure it out eventually. Um, but right now I think most games could be interesting until they start to prove that to themselves on the field. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere, folks. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. I think Carolina will probably cover either by backdoor or then they might keep it close. I mean, they did a pretty good job last week of... Um, executing their offense and that was their first game with our new coordinator and entirely new personnel and new quarterback so um, yeah I mean the Bucks are just much more talented and at the end of the day especially early in the year it's talent um, overtake scheme so but that's the other thing you mentioned too when you say that the the Panthers everything they do is new and so you know Todd Bowles was talking to us about today it was like you know, he's like, we went and watched a ton of Baylor tape. We've seen it, you know, but we don't know how they're going to use those things in the NFL, how much they're going to use. He said, so there's just a lot of unknown, he said, and that, and he said, so that part's always a little bit uncomfortable because of that. And so, yeah, young team, you know, that doesn't maybe communicate like they should. They blew a couple coverages last week. And, you know, talent-wise, 1v1, not a lot of people getting open on the group last week. And, and the Saints have a great group. Not a lot of guys getting open in those types of situations, but they still – blew some coverages and didn't communicate some things out. And so, you know, you give up a couple of those kind of plays early in game and you wonder how a team communicates and if they hang their heads and, 
you know, if they start feeling like, oh, we've been here before, we know how this goes, you know. And so I think them, some of those things have to be trained out of the psyche. And the fact that Carolina is a totally new-looking team that is very, one of the more difficult teams to probably prepare for this season because there's so little known about how they'll attack you, especially early in the season. Uh, I think that makes uh, it another challenge that could make the game closer than it probably should be on paper. Yeah, I'm looking at it too, John. I think when I, when I break down these games week to week, because Carolina's not favored in many of these, as you know, and last week I did the same thing by looking at the Raiders game and saying, you know, where do they maybe have an edge? And I think special teams maybe in terms of the return game. I noticed, you know, Tampa last week was in the negative in terms of return yardage punt-wise. I know Morstead had a great game in terms of getting them pinned deep, backing them up it looks like. So I think Farrell Cooper, who comes out from, uh, you know, the Rams and the Cardinals and is now the new punt kick returner for Carolina, had a great game and, and gave Carolina a nice boost in terms of offense. That's where they maybe have an edge in terms of, you know, field position, starting their drives with some momentum. But overall, I'm with you guys. You know, it's pretty conventional wisdom here. It's a new scheme. It's a new everything for the Carolina Panthers. And this is year two now for Bruce and Todd and those guys down in Tampa. So, and they've got some new pieces on offense, and it takes time to gel, but the talent is just superior, and I think uh, Tampa wins this game. I don't know if Carolina covers that or not, but again, I think special teams might be an area where they could get an edge during this game. We'll just have to see how it plays out. It's always a fun rivalry. I love seeing these two teams knock heads. Unfortunately, it's in front of an empty stadium this year, and that's unfortunate, but uh, it's going to be a fun matchup to watch. I got one more question, John, before we let you go. John Ledyard, Peter Report, joining us here on The Roar on Blue Wire. Uh, two guys I want to get an update on, if, if we can. Uh, Chris Godwin looks like he's in the concussion protocol. If you can update us on that situation. And then, uh, of course, Leonard Fournette, the new addition they've added in the backfield. Do you expect any uh, more touches or any more activity from him in this upcoming game? Yeah, Chris Godwin, concussion protocol, no symptoms Monday or Tuesday. And he was actually talked to the media on Tuesday, which you don't do if you're in concussion protocol. So it threw us all off when on a Wednesday he didn't practice. And we were like, well, it can't be a concussion because he talked to us and then it was a concussion. He just didn't have symptoms until Wednesday. So uh, it does, sounds like based on the professional's opinions that I, I've seen out there, you know, when late symptoms kind of arise, it's pretty rare for the player to get cleared by Sunday. So we'll see uh, how tomorrow goes. But I would expect Chris Godwin to probably miss this week, which definitely hurts because he is not just a receiver. He's also like a wing and a pseudo tight end for them. And he blocks right. guys and he's, yep. they just ask him to do a ton in the run game. Um, so may, hopefully it makes him run the ball way less, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I think that that's a, a schematically is something I'm going to have to ask Bruce about on Friday is kind of how, how do you plan to replace what Chris Godwin does? Cause on paper, I don't see another wide receiver on the roster that, can do the kind of things that they ask Godwin to do uh, in the run game and around the line of scrimmage and stuff. And so that'll be a wrinkle uh, that if he doesn't play, will be added to, to these things. Um, with Leonard Fournette, I think that they've been clear that they want to get him more involved, but they've also been clear that Ronald Jones is the, is the guy. I mean, they love him. Like, I mean, Byron Leftwich today told us he thinks Ronald Jones is straight up special. You know, they love him and Bruce Arians loves him. And so, um, I really don't know what happens in that backfield because I just hope the carries for both don't increase. You know, I think it's a mystery to everybody. There's no question Ronald Jones was the better player last week. Leonard Fournette's still learning stuff. He got five carries. He caught a pass. He did break a tackle when he caught a pass. I think the defender slipped or something, but that was something Leonard Fournette did not do much of last year. He's not very dynamic after the catch. Ronald Jones averaged 10 yards per catch 
after the catch last season on 30, 31 grabs. So it was a pretty decent sample size, and he was really good after the catch. And so really there's not an area where Leonard Fournette's better than Ronald Jones right now. Um, you know, he's had more opportunity and more success maybe because of that opportunity in the past. Um, but he's not really an efficient player, and we've got a pretty large sample size from Fournette's career that tells us he's not really that efficient of a player. So short yardage work, um, you know, I think he could you – know, the, uh, the receiving battle is kind of up in the air right now. LaShawn McCoy was the, the designated pass-protecting back last last week late in the game. He was kind of the guy that was in when they were throwing every down, and he was terrible in that role, and he didn't really do it in Kansas City either because he just can't do – I mean, he knows where to be. He just gets run over by people. And so – they need somebody to step up in that regard, and it hasn't been a strength of Ronald Jones or Leonard Fournette's throughout their career. So whoever kind of starts to prove themselves in that way could be the guy that ends up getting the majority of the time on the field and touches and potentially in the pass game too. So I think it eventually might be up in the air, but there's really no question so far that Ronald Jones is the better player, and I'd expect that to continue unless Leonard Fournette shows that he can be the, the better option on late, long and late downs. Great stuff. Great analysis from the Buccaneers in from our friend John Ledyard at uh, Pewter Report. Uh, you can check him out. Uh, give us a plug here, John. Where can we find your work? What's the website and uh, anything that you want to get out there before we uh, hop off here? Yeah, you can find my Buck stuff over at pewterreport.com and draft season. I have a ton of draft stuff on there too. And then obviously you can follow me on Twitter. I talk about all 32 teams a good bit on yeah. Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D NFL Draft. It's a great account. We love following your work, and uh, we're honored to have you on the show here, right here on Blue Wire, the Roar podcast. John, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next time. Absolutely, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off by wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.